am excited. Yeah, me too. This is our first episode with a guest. It's the long-awaited toe chicken <laughs> owner. Johnny. Hey, chicken owner. Chicken daddy. Yes, so I, I, I hear I've been mentioned several times. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I've listened as well and heard my, myself. Oh, yeah. How nice is that? Friend of yeah. the pod. Mm-hmm. Welcome yeah. to Foul Play. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Mm, it's great yeah. to be here. I'm Laura mm. Bergman. Mm. I have chickens. I'm Jackie McLeish, and I have two ducks. And we're joined today by Laura's lover, Johnny, her chicken daddy, who is the coof building expert. <laughs> we're very excited. Uh, yeah. Team. Yeah. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we, um, we decided a while ago we were going to ask our guests a few questions mm-hmm. before we get into the substance of the episode of mm-hmm. constructing a chicken coop, which you are the expert on. One of the, the first questions we wanted to ask is, what, what brought you to gardening? You did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, Laura brought me to gardening, I think. At least, the, 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 like, kind of actually quite, like, caring about it a little bit more. Which is weird because I, like, I just have never nerded out on it and I often nerd out on things. So I've mm-hmm. definitely, you know, in the way that I nerded out on, on building a chicken coop and any other DIY project and you know, learning how to make really good coffee. and um, I haven't really done that with gardening. And I've sort of tried, but not that successfully. So I had before done in like rentals and stuff, done little mini patches, with, mostly driven by a housemate, uh, mm-hmm. growing tomatoes. And I think anyone, like if you can't grow any, if you kind of don't have much space or you don't really have the energy to, to go and nerd out, then just grow tomatoes because they're pretty easy and they're really, really, really rewarding. But then Laura is like really into the garden. Uh, and so I probably, she was really keen to get things growing and I was really keen to like build things to grow things in. And, um, and you know, I, I, at one point I was like, I'm going to automate everything with irrigation. And mm-hmm. that turned out to not necessarily be that valuable in my opinion. It's all right, but you don't need to go too hard on it. Anyway, I think I'm rambling. Um, <laughs> so Laura... Mm-hmm. I studied physics and then I did physics research, research in physics. Um, but I have always been a bit of a teacher and, and I got into teaching physics um, after doing my, my doctoral degree and then, and then kind of just fell in love with that side of things. Um, and I've always been a maker. Like I've always, I basically, basically I like knowing how stuff works and I like telling people mm. about that. Um, and that's really useful for, I guess, around the home and, being a bit DIY so mm. so that's my background mm. um yes and that background because your your PhD I believe is in precision measurement is that right yeah it, it involves yeah. measuring things precisely um because well, I do remember yeah. partway through building the coop you were just like ah why do I have a PhD in precision measurement because yes, everything yes. you were just measuring everything so precisely yeah, yeah, and and actually, I think that I, I think I fortunately actually had that experience really viscerally when when my first my first woodworking project was like I've always wanted to do some woodworking, and when we finally had our own place and some space to do that, you know, I decided to go straight from nothing to building like a fairly unusual design coffee table, mm-hmm. um, and that's how I taught myself, and and I think that was the first time I exclaimed, "Why do I have a PhD in precision measurement?" 
Um, <laughs> the table did go together exquisitely and didn't really require much kind of fixing up and standing back. But I did learn that like, you know, when someone's like measure is measuring is really important in woodworking, it's quite different to like how important it is to, to, to you know, measure stuff with laser beams. Mm. what I did as a researcher. Um, so, what's that old adage? The measure twice, cut once. I guess that kind of really rings true for you and your attitude towards building things. Yeah, and so out in the yard, you, you're you behind all the veggie beds and the, the chicken coop as well. How long did it take you to put all that together, like the whole yard, do you reckon? Uh, I mean, it's, people have asked me this, and it's really hard to count because we didn't do it as like, all right, full-time job now is getting you know mm-hmm. landscaping the garden mm-hmm. um so I'm not mistaken Laura can correct me we probably did the veggie beds in like an April and that was that was really only that was really easy I think like kind of mm-hmm. was like two online, days work and some options it was maybe two days work and like a good chunk of that was actually because we're not on a flat slope mm-hmm. but we wanted the beds to be fairly level with like kind of to gravity so that when you water them the water just doesn't go to one mm-hmm. side we had to dig out the ground a bit. And I actually think a big chunk of that was just digging the ground out and getting that ready because the system we used from, from, yeah, a lot of it is digging. Yeah. Um, But the system we used from, you know, we just, we just went and bought some wooden sleepers and some corner brackets and you basically just hammer them into the ground Mm. and then Mm. stick the sleepers in. Mm. Um, And I, I insisted on drilling extra holes in the brackets for screws uh, and everyone's like, oh, you don't need to. They're designed to just kind of hold themselves. And I'm like, no, this is where I guess the physics brain is useful. I'm like, no, over time, this wall is just going to like slide out from the weight of the soil. Mm. So that was a couple of days back in April. And we planted a bit of winter veg late into them. And then the actual coop, we started, I remember it really clearly because it was the June long weekend, the Queen's birthday long weekend. The chickens moved in in September, like mid-September. So that's kind of three months-ish from when we started to when we finished but like there was bursts of activity and Mm. then nothing for two weeks right like Mm. there'd be weekends when we were there you know the weather was good or whatever it might be and then there were these bursts of activities and I remember us I think we were saying oh I think I said there's just one more weekend of work about six Mm -hmm. times yeah yeah and I think it was funny because I I remember thinking this will just take us a whole weekend like if we just do give this a whole weekend (laughs) we'll be done and it was it was several whole weekends oh it was it was I mean a few people have been like oh you should could you you know how much you know how much to build me one and I'm sort of like I reckon this is like two weeks of full-time work so my hour rate times that plus (laughs) like quite a lot of material costs Um, yeah yeah and even and even then maybe I mean I guess now I know it and I have like a bit of a sense but this is the other thing right I think like if someone was thinking about making their own coop from scratch um the design process took quite a while I definitely overdid that and learned the lesson that you kind of just have to start but yeah um but you know I think that that this is not a simple coop right like it's not like people I think if you look around the world of chicken coops most of them don't look like ours because most of them are just like bits of scrap wood and old screen doors and, you know, they just kind of, and you can slap it together in a weekend and that's fine. Yeah, I and that's great. I got a bit carried away with design and it's wanting something kind of real nice and schmick and then, 
that takes a lot of time, right? And then you become a mm. bit precious about things going together square and things, you know. I think um, one thing that's useful for people who are thinking about building their own coops is that when we get more space in the coop or if it was raised off the ground, then they would have extra shelter. And so mm-hmm. doing and – and then, of course, we moved from walking around our neighbourhood and then watched every YouTube video available on different people's chicken coops. We found um, in America a lot of people had pretty awesome hardcore coop systems that we based our design on. Yeah. Was there At one in particular? Well, I think I think the, the I would I would say that our inspiration was actually the one particular one in the neighborhood that that was actually in the front yard of, of a which is quite common in Canberra for people to have big frontages and people grow veggies and do stuff in the front yard. And in fact, my first ever chickens were in the front yard of a of an old rental. Um, mm. and the 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 thing that we really liked about it was it was sort of it was a walk-in coop. So you could walk in, the chickens could stay in there all day and they had enough space. It had a roof to sort of stop any aerial or climbing predators. Um, and, you you know, they had a little, I think it was a banksia tree or something. So it was just like, it just was nice, you know, stuff could grow yeah. around it and up it and whatever. Um, and then we watched the American videos and, and it may not be like a representative sample because people who get obsessed with this stuff put YouTube videos up. Um, yeah. But Look, we're making a podcast like, about it. Exactly right. So... Um, <laughs> So, but people over there in the States, I think, I think also like that kind of in the States DIY and just like popping down to their equivalent of Bunnings and picking up two by fours is pretty common. Mm. And so just like building stuff out of framing timber and, you know, decent plywood is something that people do a lot and it's relatively cheap. And, and so that's kind of, you know, these like very like house-like constructions because it's timber that's used to build the frames of houses um, mm. and plywood's generally quite strong. Um, and, and easy to work with. And so they kind of, you end up with these things that, yeah, they have proper roofs and proper doors and, you know, panels and cladding and blah, blah, blah. And so I think it was the neighbourhood inspiration of the walk-in coop, but with the aesthetic and the construction methods that, that we got from kind of those YouTube videos. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And so, because I remember we had a lot of trouble because it did seem that... Um, you know, with a lot of the impressive coops that were in the US that they could just go to Home Depot and that certain materials were really readily available. And so what, I mean, I vaguely remember this, but you were the, you thought about this a lot more than I did. Like we ended up using structural pine, didn't we, from Bunnings? Yeah, so yeah, so we used, so we used H3 treated timber, which mm-hmm. is, um, treated to be like happy to get wet but not be buried in the ground basically um so it won't you know it's rot resistant and um termite resistant uh which like you can i mean 100 percent probably overkill um but by the time you actually sit down and i mean i think the problem is i started from a perspective the problem was i started from this perspective of like let's not spend a huge amount of money let's just put it i mean i remember when we were talking about like getting star like iron, you know, star kind of posts that, that people just hammer into the ground to build like farm fencing. We had quite a bit of scope creep, didn't we? With our yeah, like, well, we, coop. <laughs> well, I feel like we were we were pretty much on extremes. It was like either just like slap it together in the weekend by hammering pegs in and put fences up, and then just I don't know, go get an old Avery from the from the recycle shed that we have here, like the mm. tip shop, 
um, and kind of just slap it together. And then all the way kind of to the other end, which is where we mostly, I'd say, ended up um, of buying brand new wood uh, that was treated to last and would sort of be there for a long, like be, be, be good for a long time. And I think, I mean, I guess a good idea is to start with a budget, but like if you want something that's bespoke like this, and I don't know if the US is actually cheaper. Um, mm. Australia is a bit weird in that you can't seem to buy like nice milled timber that hasn't been treated um, more cheaply that yeah. easily. Like, like, yeah. So, but yeah, it was, not, it was structural timber. So it's probably overkill. That was sort of the big run, the framing of the big run. And then the actual coop um, is built into one corner of that. I mean, I guess it's probably worth talking. I don't know at what point you want me, if you want me to talk about some of the design principles. I mean, I think that's another thing people wanting to yeah, build their own should do. think about. Like, also, it's good for you to go on this because I think Jackie's had to disappear, I imagine, to tend to a, a small human. Um, yeah. So, but she will be able to listen to this back later and get the great information. So I'll just play the role of the um, the interviewer. So please tell us about the design principles. <laughs> I'm happy to. Um, <laughs> well, so I think I think from like my personal experience was like um, I lived in a lot of share houses and rentals before we met and had really great housemates and one of them was keen on chickens and so he built this little like chicken coop run thing that was quite it was more like a chicken tractor some people might know of so it's sort of just like a house at one end small house and then like a, a, a little right. area that they can run out the front oh hello we have all the guests today i'm so sorry that's all right i hope that you would just continue the pod. talking Felix, we did we did friend of the pod is now uh our second ever guest <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to gardening young man <laughs> Mum did. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, hi, Felix. And yeah, Johnny hi, is just Felix. explaining the design principles behind the coop. Oh, fantastic. Great. So because I had, because, because, so we had this, we had this like share house, like, like nicely made, but like kind of slapped together without much thought about the predators around our area, without any of that. And also I think probably not enough area for the, so we got three chickens to begin with. Um, and the coop was maybe one square meter inside the actual house, probably a bit less. And then the actual run was probably only three, maybe two and a half square meters. And it caused us some problems. Chickens are actually, um, they're little dinosaurs. They're, they're, they're actually at times happy to eat each other. Uh, and we actually had an occurrence of that with that first, with that first group of three, um, where one pecked its sister, I assume, because they came from the same batch. They were leghorns, pretty big birds. I think they didn't have enough space. And so then we would start, you know, we, we started letting them out into the garden, but it was a front yard of a, of a sort of suburban property, mm-hmm. no real fence or anything. Um, the neighbours might get annoyed because they jump jump over there. And then people would be walking their dog off the lead. And so I reckon for like several years, we kind of like on and off tried to have chickens and would pretty much... You know, I feel a little bit bad about this because we, I don't think, we, I think the oldest chicken we had ended up being like nine or 10 months old oh, because so predators, ke- predators kept getting them, right? Mm. And so for me, I was quite traumatized by that experience and we had other problems, you know, like there's this kind of, I could tell a few of these stories, but mm. the point was I really wanted enough space and I read a little bit about what that looks like. We thought about how many birds we wanted from a kind of like just we, how many do we want and 
you know, egg production as well at some level. Like, I mean, a lot of people want chickens for the eggs. I think there's more to them than, than just that. Um, and you should value that as much because they don't always produce as many eggs as you would like. Um, but certainly, you know, so we kind of settled on like four, maybe five chooks. And we're back to I two a day that, eggs, though. That's like we're about two a day. <laughs> with four at the moment. That's a that's probably the, the you know you could spend a whole episode on bloody chook broodiness now as well. Um, <laughs> we will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted enough space for them so they were happy and healthy. I didn't want to let them out into the garden because we sort of wanted to keep that separate. Like they tend to just destroy whatever they're on. Um, they scratch up veggie patches and that. So if you don't have an appropriate space where they could kind of live harmoniously with your your other plants, um, it's it, for us, it was really, it made sense to just be like, this is the chicken area. And so that meant we had to go, okay, I, four chooks, um, I wanted them to have a few square meters each. And so we ended up with, a, with an almost 16 square meter size um, so that they had enough space for the day. And they, you know, they, they, they do, there's a pecking order. They occasionally fight, like you need enough room for them to run off and um, mm-hmm. find their own little, little corner and, and, and be able to get away from, from the, you know, the one that's being mean. Mm-hmm. Um, we really like, I like the idea of elevated coops. Um, they tend mm-hmm. to like to be high up at night and also it gives you automatic shelter because they can go underneath. It's a good place to leave there. If you're feeding them grain or pellets, that means it's sort of automatically protected from rain. Um, uh, so that was, that was kind of a feature. We wanted to be able to walk in it um, fully enclosed to keep predators out. Um, you've, we've got a, a kind of a buried chicken wire skirt. So like a horizontal mesh. Oh, yeah. 20 centimeters around the outside to stop foxes and other kinds of animals digging in like even mm-hmm. rats will try to dig in to get it you know if you're throwing scraps in there and grain um, it does attract um, other mammals uh, and, and scavengers that just want to eat the food yeah. um, so those were sorts of the ideas and then the other one was like ideally being able to get at the eggs without without going in there and that's what like most of the American coops had when we were watching the videos oh. whereas the one inspired that inspired us around the corner. They just had a small standalone coop that they put inside a bigger enclosure. And so you'd have to walk in there every day to get the eggs. Um, not actually a huge thing. I probably don't think it mattered that much. Although the way we designed it for us, the entry to the whole coop, the whole run, like the whole chicken area is on the opposite side of where the coop is. And I can actually imagine that weirdly annoying me first, just walking straight up to the outside of the coop um, and opening the nest box from the outside to get to get at the egg. And then the other thing that the American coops had that was really good, the, the inside of the coop, you know, has, you've usually got some kind of bedding material that essentially is just like an absorbent material for, for collecting their poop um, and keeping it nice and dry and, and low, low smell. And so like we use pine shavings at the moment, but you want to be able to refresh that and clean it out every now and then and get in there and maybe fix stuff or add things or whatever. Uh, and so having a big, like essentially one whole door of our, one whole wall of our coop is a door. So that's on the inside of the run. You pull it open and um, Mm. you can pretty much just scoop all of that out into a wheelbarrow or something and then that can go in the compost. I guess that helps as well. Become really good fertilizer. Yeah, having it raised so that you can scoop all that out directly into a wheelbarrow helps as well rather Mm. than like shoveling it out onto the ground and then lifting it out. It's those little things that make a big difference, definitely. Yeah, Mm. yeah. So and it really so, yeah. does. Like when when we were talking about the design, like 
I was very much of the view of I want chickens right now. So let's just put some star pegs in the ground and get an old dog kennel and they can live in there. And that, that would have been good and we would have got chickens sooner. But I think the thing is we then would have spent a long time discovering these problems and retrofitting things. We're like, oh, okay, it's actually not pet predator proof. And then, oh, yeah. actually the chickens don't have enough shelter or it's hard to clean out the bedding. And so what we did because – Johnny had had some well to be honest like some pretty horrific experiences before with the chickens is took a long time to work out what the priorities were and I reckon the the guiding principle was predator proofing like that Mm. was I think the thing that is a little bit different about our coop and run compared to um other chickens other that people have is sometimes they have a coop and then the run might be either small or like quite um basic and you still have to let the chickens out every day and for us our coop doesn't actually have a door like the run the coop is in the run and the run is what is fully enclosed and safe like Mm. it even has a roof so um if the off chance an eagle was going by Mm. it wouldn't be able to get our chickens even though our chickens are giant and so i don't think an eagle would have much of a chance Mm. but yeah that's that's something that i don't think many coops have and it's what the one that we liked around the corner from our house had. Mm-hmm. Um, but since having had it and comparing to friends who have got chickens, I think it's so worth it. It's mm-hmm. safer for the chickens and it's so much easier for us. Yeah, I think so. So just to just to add one more thing yeah. to that, I think a lot of people might think, feel that, oh no, it's not, not, it's not really free range if they're not being able to get out and scratch around you know, at the base of trees and stuff and find the worms and find the, the bugs and all that because they do exhaust land pretty quickly. You know, like if you just give them kind of a pile of dirt or grass and leave them there for a couple of weeks, they will just turn it into like dusty, arid earth. And so the way we get around that is by, and actually I would probably, if I was to rebuild it again, I'd make the, the depth of this a bit more, is we actually just add lots of good organic matter. So we do like a kind of a deep mulch you can just go and get your hand, you know, get a cubic meter of mulch or whatever, like oh, wood yeah. chip or forest mulch or something like that. That's kind of like a like a carbon base that you would normally add into a compost. And then that sort of sits at like a 10 centimeter depth. And then that thing brings in soil life and worms and they can kind of dig around in it. You can go in there with a pitchfork and and turn yeah. it over and stuff, um, expose some worms for them. And you can also, when you throw the scraps out and they kind of mix it all in and they poop and stuff, it kind of becomes its own little composting system. Mm. And then the other thing we've done is we've planted, it's big enough that we can actually plant certain kind of complementary plants in there that some of them, they, you know, we just put some little mesh around them so that they can kind of pick the stuff that goes through the mesh and have a little peck if they want. Um, Might attract some extra bugs and, and flying insects. And we've actually got a, a persimmon fruit tree in there as well that we're hoping it's a dwarf size. So we're hoping in a couple of years, it'll start giving us some fruit. And if there's any kind of old Ooh. fruit on there or fruit that falls off, they can have it. Jealous. I'd love to have a persimmon tree. That sounds great. What is it called? I forget the exact thing, but basically like prototyping is best. So you'd go like mm-hmm. minimum viable product. But for you, Johnny, you'd already kind of done that in the previous chicken experiences that you'd had. Like you'd learned from that already. It wasn't as if you were yeah. overthinking it right from the start. Like it wasn't all the gear and no idea. You already knew the stuff that was going to go wrong. But um, that was actually a really no. valuable experience for you to have. It, it was. It was. Um, 
I hadn't built any of the previous setups uh, or the previous setup we had. It was a, it was a, a friend, like a housemate of mine. So I didn't have a lot of experience in sort of how to how it might all go together. And look, not every. I mean, some people are just. You know, I think had Laura wanted to just go ahead with it without me, she's probably more of the minimal viable product kind of approach. You know, I probably still overthought it a bit, but definitely design, the design side of it, I'd say was like half the time in terms of the entire build, even if sometimes that was overlapped, like you were trying to, you're trying to add the next bit and you were sort of thinking about it. You know, I mean, I even like at first, I, I like, cause I can do a little bit of CAD, a little bit of computer drawing and I sort of mucked around with some designs in CAD, which is like a hundred percent overkill yeah. and like way too much work. Cause in the end, that's just not how wood goes together either. You know, like it's like you kind mm. of realize that, oh, actually I need to shape a bit more off this. And, and, you know, like in the end, I'll, like one of the doors is like pretty stiff. It's like a little too tight. I probably made it a bit too oh, man. precise, doors. you know, and, and, um, <laughs> You know, and choosing, I think, I, oh, and I think we spent like, how long were we at Bunnings picking hinges? Oh, I don't know. I was like, starving. Like, <laughs> I reckon like two hours yeah. umming and eyeing between yeah. different hinges and how the hell I'm actually going to like stick them to the door and then cladding. The latch the was great. Was the the, thing. Oh yeah. That was my, that was my drive. But the, um, the latch is my favorite part was we were standing in the latch aisle of Bunnings and Johnny was pretending to be a fox to check if he a fox could open the latches and got his hand like a little paw and was like but what if the fox does this then the latch will just open so you know and you get that from <laughs> watching too many youtube videos like people have stories yeah. of you know like just the really simple like cheapo latch that just like slides across it's like lift slide and and drop apparently foxes can can open them or they're, they're persistent enough that if they just hit them enough times mm, and just yeah. by chance it kind of flicks them open and so I haven't seen a fox in our neighborhood yet in our old mm. neighborhood we had one at 9 a.m on a Sunday morning literally just come into the backyard and stand two meters from us you know they're around there's there's some things not to skimp on right and so like latches are definitely one of them and just that keeping them keeping them safe because you're there you know you're what's looking like, after them so and the other one apparently is we read we read about this a lot is um the mesh that you use so if you're doing a run mm. or like anything that's involving a wire mesh um chicken wire is like a pretty poorly named product it's pretty thin like it's great stuff for certain applications but it's actually yeah. not very good for protecting chickens because it's actually quite a thin wire and there are animals like foxes that apparently can bite through it and also the holes aren't that big. So if you're in an area where you know you've got lots of snakes. Well, they um, are quite big, the holes. That's the... the holes are quite big and the snakes can get yeah. through those holes. Rats can get through those holes. Um, mice can certainly get through them. Like the standard chicken wire is 50 mm. or 60 mil hexagons. So we ended up going with like a, a thicker weld mesh. It was like 1.2 millimeters thick wire. And the squares were, I think they're one inch. I think it's 25 mil. Mm. And so that's actually quite expensive. You know, like mm. it's... Mm it's a more expensive material because it's a lot more metal that you're buying, but it's really rigid. It's easier to work with as well. Chicken wire tends to just like bend and kink at the drop of a hat, but this stuff. I'm really glad we went with that choice. We agonized over it, Um, but it was a really good choice because also it's the walls of our enclosure 
And uh, if you've ever, you know, put chicken wire around garden beds and things like that, it just, it kinks and it bends and then you can't get it to stand up straight and then they all, they warp. So this one, because it's a lot more metal, it was quite rigid. And we were able to actually join it together with these things called Avery clips. And they're like a small piece of fairly thick metal that goes around and securely holds the whole thing together. Yeah. I'd say that's so, the most specific tool we own is the Avery clip clipper. It has yeah, one like cr- use. It like crimps them. Yep. Uh, yeah. But it but wasn't it's that expensive. So effective. It's so yeah, effective. It made it really easy. If anyone needs so, anything Avery clipped, just hit us up. We're we're available. And look, I mean aesthetics are more important to some people than others. For us, just the way that our garden is and the way that the, where the coop is situated and how it all kind of I don't know if you've, um, maybe you've put a photo up on Instagram of it already, but like you can't sit in the garden and have, you know, if you're having your morning cup of tea and you want to sit outside at the, at the outdoor table, you just, it's always there. It's front and center, right? So whatever we put there was going to be our view in the garden. And so for us, it was important. But if you've got a space where like your coop is kind of around the corner behind a shed or, you know, like you don't, whatever, right? Like we painted it a nice white color. We got really nice recycled old fence palings as the walls of the coop and so that was a lot of work to get them nice and arranged and cut to size laura did 90 percent of that one thing i learned from that which i feel is useful to know and i wish that i would love to share this information with everybody on the planet so they don't have to do what i did is that old hardwood is extremely hard and i wanted to nail everything because i liked the aesthetic of like the nice little flush heads but pre-drill pre-drill into hardwood because I I would put the nails in and they would all bend and once I started drilling pilot holes for them actually falling through holes and just clamping them on but the wood was so hard it would straighten bent nails for me that I used again so definitely pre-drill yeah. or just so drill great, and like- screw them in like that would have also looked totally fine yeah I have I have to say that your coop is particularly beautiful. Like, it's quite a lovely thing to look at when you're sitting in your backyard having a morning cup of coffee. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. So you did a good job in that respect. And I think it is important, like, especially at your place, one of the best things to do is to sit out and watch the chickens in their coop. Yeah. Like, and you look out your kitchen window, it's right there, like you said. So having something that's nice to look at, it's kind of worth it. Yeah, it's the feature of our backyard, right? And um, Because one of the initial problems we had when we just wanted to do more of a makeshift thing was our ground wasn't level. Like we thought it was level. It looked fairly level, but it was actually a long inclining slope. So we had to actually completely level our backyard and separate it into two tiers with a retaining wall before we even started building because we did this large run thing. So it basically now looks like our chickens are on a stage and the rest of our yard is the dance floor. And it's, you, you can't not see the chicken coop. Like it's, you walk into our yard and you're like, wow, the chicken coop. So yeah. it was worth putting and, in that extra effort. And to be fair, when we, when we first like, you know, kind of put the, the last door on, you know, we, like the last thing we did was paint the kind of barn style <laughs> door. Um, that you walk, that you walk through, that the humans walk through. Um, and but you're not really planting summer stuff much yet, so the garden beds were all pretty bare. We hadn't put seed much seed down 
like you know like we hadn't really landscaped yet we'd, we'd done all this building up building up the retaining wall cutting back like, like we had dirt everywhere right like it was just yeah. not very green and this big white thing and I just looked at it and went what have I done Mm. Um, and the reason and we painted I'm... it white oh yeah the reason we painted it white was not an aesthetic choice so much as like we inherited a big tub of exterior white paint when we bought the house like it was in the yeah. garage so we're like oh let's just use this and then we were like should we have made it bright white mm. yeah because I was but, like if we'd chosen works. like red or something it would have like yeah. complemented the rusty panels on one of the sheds or something you know like yeah but now I look at it like I took a couple of photos the other day with the sun setting behind it. And, and we've, we've planted things around it as well. Like we've had climbing beans growing up the front. We've had some corn. We've got key, a kiwi vine growing up um, one side of it on the side, you know, like, and the whole garden's filled out. And so now it just all looks really like purposeful and like nature's kind of mm-hmm. taken over the, the coop a little bit. And, and you just also get used to it, right? Like I think whenever you change something drastically in your own space, it feels jarring. Yeah, no, um, it looks good. You did, you did well. It doesn't look jarring as an outsider coming into your yard. It looks like it's supposed to be there. So, <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I did have a. Do you have any like top three tips for people building, going out, and starting to build their own coops? Like, what advice would you give somebody who is just about to start? Um. I would definitely say, I guess, think about your needs and, and your, your, like the most important design features, you know, like, so design is, I think, quite important part of, of DIY, at least at some level, you know, like you probably don't have to go to the extremes I go to, but like, is it that you're in a high predator area? I mean, there's always a risk of predators with chickens. Do you want them to go? Do you, are you happy to let them out every day and be responsible for making sure they're locked up at night? Um, I mean, there's all sorts of solutions to that problem. There's automatic doors and stuff, but, you know, how much area do you have? How many chickens do you want? There's all these things you should probably think about before investing your time, which is what a lot of it is. And of course, money in building a coop because you can just buy either a secondhand one or some, you know, just see how you go. Because actually Mm. the easiest way to start, like with some chickens, like you might just want two chooks, relatively simple coop, you know, you're home every day and you're just going to let them in and out and kind of learn about what works for you, but definitely answer some of those questions. Where possible, I think recycled materials are great because they're cheap, um, they can mm. be really good, they can be really useful, but also I think that recycled materials, you're, always, you're almost always trading off the fact that they're recycled and cheap for your time because it's yeah. pretty unlikely that they're kind of just going to fit in perfectly or be nice and straight or whatever it might be, right? So with our, we have a lot of new materials, but then the roof and the cladding of the coop is old timber, right? And, and old metal yeah. sheeting. And so you got to be there to cut the sheeting down and you got to be there to cut the timber and to the right lengths. And like Laura said, yada, yada, yada. So kind of, you know, sometimes people don't have the budget. And so saving money for the sake of time is what's going what's gonna to benefit you. And the other one is like, make sure you've got a couple of decent tools. Like you don't need a lot, but you definitely want a good quality drill uh, and ideally at least a circular saw so that you can cut timber down relatively easily. I mean, we used the most popular tool for our, most of our construction has been the miter saw. Um, mm, I love the miter saw. Lets, yeah, which lets you very easily and quickly cut lengths of timber. 
you can also cut at particular angles. So if you're trying to do, you know, 45 degree corners and things like that, that's a pretty useful thing. But at the very least, a, a, a circular saw, you could potentially do it with a, a hand saw, but you're going to be putting a fair bit of elbow grease in. And actually, I should warn about, um, I thought about buying a nail gun and a, mm. a sort of like a nail stapler, like powered gun to make that aspect quick. And, in, and I decided when I looked at the prices of them that like, this is a really expensive tool to have for probably just this project. Like I'm not going to do a lot of framing after this. And so I used a manual staple gun to put all the, the wire mesh on, the run and the coop and stuff. Um, and I gave myself tennis elbow because of just how many repetitive staples I did. You've actually got to apply quite a lot of force. And I think it was probably over maybe 1,200 staples in, in a few days. So, so definitely have the right tools or borrow them you know look mm. around your neighborhood that sort of thing yeah that's a good tip you always sort of underestimate the repetitive nature of those sort of um steps to building these sorts of things like you're saying what is it 1200 staples uh, over a few days really adds up you could yeah you're, you're talking before about automating things in the backyard like if you're going to make it more efficient to build a coop i guess it, it makes sense to try and do that wherever you can yeah mm. and there's i mean you know and watch like don't just like have a look, right? Go on YouTube, watch some videos. There's there's lots of ways people do this and it doesn't need to be the way we have done it, which is quite like very bespoke, very designed, very for us. It's very, very personal. Um, I know people who have just gone and got their hands on like an old Avery or even mm. an old shed as, and then that shed is the coop. And they just, you know, you just have to figure out how to you put some nest boxes in. And the classic thing that people, whenever I was on the forums, they're like, you know what makes a great nest box? An old um, lawnmower catcher. catcher. Right? Like you go yeah. to the tip shop um, or you have a look, yeah. right? And you just get get one of those, you stick it on top of like, a, you know, a milk crate or something so it's a bit off the ground uh, and you fill it with nice soft bedding. Yeah. And they just feel like, ooh, nice little dark hole for me to make a nest. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, actually one thing I haven't said and it's just come to my mind uh, is think about climate in Australia. Like chickens are not actually, I mean, different breeds oh, are yeah. better, apparently, but like chickens are not really warm weather creatures. Like mm. they actually handle the cold much better than they handle the heat. And so, you know, if you are going down the tin shed path, don't stick it in a spot that just gets full summer sun all day. Yeah. Um, like... And that's a, it's a great a, point. Yeah, yeah I have never really so important. much about ventilation in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so vent, because their poo is actually quite, um, there's a lot of ammonia in it. And so you need a decent, and you can go online and read about it. Um, and so for us, the way that we got around that, because it is in a fair bit of sun during the day, is uh, we have um, recycled form ply. It's like a form of plywood that there's just heaps around because people use it for concrete forming that's the first layer of the roof and that gives a bit of like insulation and there's tin sheeting on top to collect the rain and, and dump it off. Or mm. if we ever want to, we could plumb it into a, a rainwater tank or something. And then we have some vents at the top as part of the like kind of roof trust, uh, which lets air come out. And cause the door never closes on the coop cause the coops inside the secure run that that's kind of air in air out the top. And then the cladding is actually just, timber straight like nailed into the framing so there's no layer between like the cladding is the wall and it's just timber palings from a from a fence and so there's a lot of little gaps little like you know thin gaps and 
and I put my hand in there during sort of the summer we've just had, and it's never particularly hot actually mm, yeah. uh, on the inside. And certainly by the evening in Canberra, it cools down. But yeah, if you're in a really hot place, you probably want to give them quite a bit more shade than say we might have. Uh, you, they, they definitely need places to retreat during the day when it, if it is particularly hot. And like you mentioned before, your coop is raised off the ground, which just automatically offers that shady spot. So it's a good yeah, thing it to does. consider yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. you know, we haven't talked about it, but yeah, food and watering systems as a whole. We whole should do that's a, another thing. Yeah, we should do it an episode yeah. on that. Because I'm that's in the a whole other looking episode. into that too. Yeah. Like if we want to yeah. get home kind of late with the ducks, mm. or if we want to go away. It's kind of, we need to make it as easy as possible for somebody else to look after them or, you know, to be able to have it so that we might not even need to have somebody else come in the house to them. So. Yeah, so, so if yeah. nothing goes wrong, um, we, can, we can leave the chickens for about a week. Yeah, awesome. Um, and, and they don't, if you fill up the, the food system we have, it takes about a week before it needs topping up and that's if they're getting no additional scraps. Uh, mm. and the water is the water is overkill it's like four weeks if, if nothing leaks um <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be prepared yeah yeah <laughs> oh it's just that they don't drink very much actually like it's only a 20 liter drum but they just don't you know they probably each drink a few hundred a few hundred mils a day and they get moisture from other things as well well so, i thank you that is a an excellent summary of the coop design process yeah, that was really entertaining. I'm sorry, um, I felt a bit rude. I was kind of listening and then also trying to wrangle my little boy. But the, you know, I'm going to listen back to this and really enjoy this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the benefit, Jackie. We recorded it, so it's, I know. Um, you, it's a, it's a conversation you can have at any time. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I. I mean, you know, it's a bit, a bit um, all over the shop, but it's, it's. You just got to think about what you need and. Yeah. Lots of ways to solve this problem. This, you know, there are a million different ways people keep chickens. I think that's my. Oh, absolutely. That's my impression. Yeah, it's kind of um, overwhelming. Yeah. So it's useful to have somebody come on and talk about the way that you've done it. Like we may have somebody yeah, yeah. else on one day who has a completely different way of doing it, but it's nice just to hear about the decisions well, I think a, that you've made. Yeah. I think a really big one is: Are you a, as well? Are you a renter, or are you? Do you do you mm. have? Do you own your own place? Because what we've done is not feasible in remotely feasible in a renting situation and something that's more like a chicken tractor that you can kind of take with you and move around and stuff is the way I'd do it now if I had to do it in a rental. Um, and I'd probably let them out more into the garden. Yeah. Yeah. All those sorts of questions as well. It's got to fit in with the way your, your house runs and your life and all that. Yeah. That's totally important. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Brandy. We really appreciate it. I love um, seeing you against that graffiti backdrop. We should screenshot this. Yeah. So we could, um, <laughs> I was going to say, lean down, it. Jackie, with Felix, and um, I'll take a screenshot. Yeah, improvisation <laughs> on the, the podcast recording studio. Oh, yes. All right. Smile. Smile. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, what um, a fun episode. That was really good. I'm so happy yeah, that you were our first awesome. guest, Johnny. Oh, I think I think he nice. had to be. I think it's um yeah, it you're you're a big part of this podcast, even you're though the... you aren't a host. <laughs> yeah, officially the unofficial fact checker. So oh, you are. There you go. Yes, it's true. Yeah. I did listen to episode one, and I was like, four eggs a day is like very generous. 
<laughs> we were getting one a day. We're getting none for a few, about a week. And then we're getting one a day for like the last, pretty much this year has been one a day. Mm. Yep, I know. Um, and then we had none a day uh, for a while. Oh, dear. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that you're back up to two eggs a day. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. It is, it um, is. One of them's not laying at all and I'm not, it's the oldest one. I'm not really sure why. Because she's, she maybe she's molting mm. as well. But. Yeah, they're all molting. Um, and year. Jackie, I, I want to hear about all your ducks, but we might just have to do another episode yeah, soon. Um, soon. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. When Felix is chilled and I'm not sitting in a bed of crickets. Well, and we have to, <laughs> we still need to go to the markets down the road. So. Oh, we do, yeah. we do. Thanks so much, guys. Well, we'll chat again soon, see you Laura. Later. I'm sure I'll speak to you soon, yep. Johnny, too. Okay. See you, Jackie. Bye. Bye. Bye.